Hello there. Welcome to Somebody That I Know, the podcast where I will have a conversation with somebody that I know. I'm Paul, and there is a vanishingly small chance that I'm somebody that you know. But anyway, welcome, and I hope you enjoy the show. Eleanor Roosevelt famously said, Great minds discuss ideas, average minds discuss events, small minds discuss people. But I'm not so sure that things are quite that simple. I like to think that open minds should be happy to discuss any subject, and one topic of conversation is probably just a bit boring. So taking Eleanor Roosevelt's quote as inspiration, I've invited some people that I know to discuss people, ideas and events. Or rather, I'm going to ask them about how we met. I'm going to ask them to tell me about something they're interested in. And we're going to discuss where we should eat and what is on the menu. It's time to meet somebody that I know. Hello, Rishi. Hi, Paul. <laughs> how are you doing? All right. All right. We had snow yesterday. Oh, wow. Snow. Surprisingly, in London, it is very sunny. Extremely sunny. That's yeah, nice. It's rare occurrence That's in nice. April. So how's my hometown treating you? Hometown is very calm for now. Mm. <laughs> All of a sudden, I guess uh, the news of Boris Johnson kicked in pretty badly with everyone and everyone got really conscious. And now people are, you know, just automatically maintaining their distance. Earlier people are just rushing in and they will just, you know, knock you off if they have to. <laughs> But now they are very careful. Well, how long has it been there? How long have you been there now? It's been it's been almost almost about to be two years. No. Yes. It can't be. Yeah. My daughter is turning eighteen months, so yeah. I can't believe it's two years nearly that you've been there. That's astonishing. I, I <laughs> the other day, me and Vinda were talking about this, and we felt like even our parents were saying, "Oh, you guys have been there for almost two years. That's very strange." Didn't feel like it, and we were saying, "We know every day of it because raising a kid is not easy, as everybody said it would be." <laughs> <laughs> so it's not so much about the place, but about the work we were doing. That's quite funny, actually, because um, your daughter's a Londoner like me. <laughs> yeah, she is. She is. And she's a drama queen. <laughs> like me. <laughs> <laughs> the stress was on queen. She feels she's a queen. Of course. Of course. Yeah. I guess it's still um, still the work is... Uh, is as busy as ever, in but without the travel. Yeah, it's it's crazier. In fact, earlier, if it's travel, you could you know you had time during the flights, during layovers and everything, you could finish a lot of work. Mm. Uh, you you had prep time and everything. Nowadays, everything is just instant and over the calls, so it's very busy. I'm I'm day in day out packed with calls, and I don't get much time to even read my emails. Yeah. Plus nannies and daycares, everything is off. So <laughs> you have double job going on. It's a lot, sort of boring as well. I've started missing traveling now, I guess. It comes to something when you miss business travel, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> 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 this, uh, the start of the year was so crazy that I was um, telling San that uh, we would be traveling so much this year that we will get our statuses on BA like anything within first four months or five months. Mm. And then all of a sudden, no travel. 
doesn't seem so, quite so important now, does it? Having the uh, no, no, not at all. <laughs> getting <laughs> the lounge the access, the, <laughs> the uh, executive lounge is the last place you want to be right now, right? Seriously, <laughs> <laughs> it's just crazy. Ah. Okay. So how how long have we known each other, Rishi? Wow, that's a trick question. I was in Mumbai. I remember. Uh, yeah, I joined on first August, twenty twelve. In fact, oh, five days before me then. Oh, <laughs> I think of all the people in this first season of somebody that I know. You're the one that I probably knew longest before we actually met. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, do you, do you remember when we first met? Do you remember the first occasion we met? We met. So just and again, there we arrived almost at around the same time. I I came in March 2015. Yeah. Yeah. And I was and, yeah, I was June. So. Uh, so yeah. So we worked together for um, close to three years before we actually met, and uh, I think we met on video conference a couple of times. Oh yes, we met on conferences long back. We video conference was also i'm trying to remember what was the first one that's a there was a very long several hour video call when... oh yes now i remember yeah so there were um i i there was you and the rest of your team uh in mumbai and there was me and me in london and there's a whole bunch uh um over here in north america and uh, and I, re- I remember we were having you know sidebar conversations. I said, you know, who's that sitting at the back of the room? And you say, oh, that's Imran. And it's just, ah, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was the first time I had, I'd actually uh, uh, seen all you guys. It was uh, it was a couple of years after we'd. Uh... It is. It's very interesting. I never thought that uh, I'll be going to uh, North America uh, uh, to our headquarter location, and then I never thought that we would be meeting and working together in. Yeah, and 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 being neighbours. Yeah, and being neighbours, we would. When we first started, uh, you know, having uh, calls together and, and collaborating together on different work projects, you know, you in Mumbai, me in London, and then we end up being neighbours in in the USA. Oh, well, and then you're I... living in London. I suppose I'm off to Mumbai <laughs> next. <laughs> yeah, that will actually complete the full circle. <laughs> yeah. yeah, not not this year though, eh? Uh, no, I don't think anybody's going this year anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Not even for holidays, let alone be moving. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you, rem- do you remember holidays? <laughs> 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 what was that, Daddy? <laughs> oh, people used to leave their homes and go and stay for an extended period of time somewhere they didn't know. Why would they do that, Daddy? <laughs> Were they stupid? <laughs> I'm pretty sure she's going to say exact same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The other day we were thinking, when was our last vacation? And then we realized, oh, we were lucky that Poovi saw something beyond this house. Uh, she was too small at that time. Yeah. Uh, when we went last year, yeah. she was hardly a few months old, and we still we dared ourselves to do that vacation. But that was that was the last. I don't know when would be the next. <laughs> yeah. So how have you felt? I mean, you've been been there a couple of years now. How have you found? Um, you know, moving to a a new country, new city, new continent, new culture, everything. I mean, you've done it twice now. Um, <laughs> I, I've I've only done it the once, and it's not that alien coming from the UK to the USA. Um, I mean, there's some very bizarre differences and 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 whatever. But um, you know, how have you found it slotting into uh, into London life? There are some. Uh 
be contrasting differences between all the three countries if i look at it but i mm. guess i'm able to relate to london bit more uh, on an on an emotional level because india and you know london they 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 are very alike in many manners metric system being the first um, <laughs> yeah i miss that i do miss that <laughs> and it it was hard for me when i moved to the usa to to follow their metric system Uh, still had to take out my phone a few times to understand yeah. who was going on but beyond that i guess the you know the government system and the overall the way people operate it's very similar by virtue of the history we we both are, you know our mm. country share i guess mm. by virtue of that it's like that it's easy to connect with people uh, there is a lot to conversate on uh, it's you know you could you could very easily talk to people here <clears throat> not that in the us it was difficult but it would be hard for me to grab the topic because mm-hmm. the, the the kind of discussions you would have in the usa even in a bar in the usa would be very different as compared to when i'll go here i could have very intense conversations uh, with anyone than in in a bar so mm. that's a, that's a very interesting perspective i never really thought about it that way but i think you're absolutely right it's having yeah. a sort of um shared shared um reference points i suppose exactly uh, this is such a long history we have and there there is an understanding to the culture as well right where where i understand uh, culture out here a lot of people around from here they know indian culture very well right so they they understand a lot of things they understand the food uh, you know where where in the usa people are not uh, too much into indian food i would say it's it's a it's a speciality it's well i want to know, i want to come on and talk about food in a bit but i want to talk about indian food particularly right now because as you know mm-hmm. you know where where my home currently is which is where your home was for for a bit um there's a very large uh Indian community expat Indian oh, yes. community and so there's lots of Indian restaurants and whatever but none of them none of them are as good as the average one you find in the UK yeah, in my opinion that's great I think I think the the Indian food in the UK is uh, probably as good as anywhere in the world um with one minor exception perhaps um <laughs> <laughs> um and although there's you know the the menus are, are fairly similar here that it's just not it's not right <laughs> that's true um there are very there are very few very few restaurants which come close to you know making the authentic indian cuisines and you have to really mm. find we fell in love with just one very small joint where it was like a five six table restaurant and the food was so authentic Mm. Uh, that we loved mm. it there we used to just they they never used to deliver food so mm-hmm. we used to go all the way to just pick up food that was that was the intent of, you know how much we loved it mm. we would be tired to cook it at home but we were okay to drive all the way and you know pick, <laughs> pick <the food>. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different psychological space isn't it when someone else is doing the cooking absolutely, well, absolutely. that's true it's very yeah. different uh, the indian yeah. Indian food being prepared in different countries tastes very different. Uh 
very passionately trying to raise my daughter. It's the parenting is the hardest thing I have ever done in my life. I've never, even when I was trying to learn guitar, that was very easy as compared to parenting. <laughs> very two separate things, but that used to hurt, man. That was a tough, tough thing. Which when I was trying to learn it, it's a tough instrument. But parenting is it's a different ball game altogether. I had never imagined it to be this tough because all this while my parents would always say that, hey, raising a kid is the easiest job. You know, it's <laughs> it's a, it's a natural process, so you don't have to worry about it. But now when I think about it, there's so much to learn. Every day you are living in a fear that am I doing the right thing? Uh, is it from you know from a future perspective? Am I making a sensible person? Am I shaping a sensible person? Uh, is that a person who would do good in the world? Uh, and every time, it, the counter statement is that she's too small, to you are worrying too much. <laughs> but then again, the argument going in my head is that probably this is the time. You know, you never mm-hmm. know. Malcolm Gladwell says. Uh... It takes 10,000 hours to master anything. So 10,000 hours and you should be an expert guitar player. But 10,000 hours is about the length of time that you've had your daughter. Wow. It's about 18 months, 416 days or something like 10,000 hours. So you, you should, by, by that reckoning, you should be a master <laughs> at parenting by now. But first six months were very, I was, I was almost unconscious. I didn't even know what I was doing. So you can't count those first six months. I have I have I have a problem of daydreaming. <laughs> I daydream a lot mm. uh, in the sense that whenever I'm I'm sitting, I'm I'm trying to all this thing that I wanted to do this. I would like to do. I would like to be this person. Like I would like to be a politician. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, a lot of people tell me that when I when I tell my friends also they say, "Wow, politicians!" But but I feel there's a lot you can do as a politician. While it might be a dirty game at the end of the day, but you can contribute a lot. Uh, I like to do something good for the country. I still emotionally connect a lot with my hometown, with my country, and somewhere in future, I always think that at the end of the day, I, I don't want to live this life. At the end of the day, I want to be somewhat, some percentage of my arts do devoted purely for the country let me ask you about something you just said you said it's uh it may be a dirty game this is the thing that um uh this is the problem with democracy (laughs) (laughs) i totally agree with you (laughs) let let me tell you that let me tell let me tell you the problem with democracy (laughs) and i haven't even had a drink yet um (laughs) there are many people like yourself who have a desire to do to do good for their community, to do for their, you know, for their country, for their their hometown or whatever, to make things better. You know, that's the the primary driver for a lot of people getting into politics. I have a neighbour just here who's just been uh, elected to the to my you know local city government, um, a really really great person, and somebody whose heart is in exactly the right place and 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 is making all the right moves and doing all the right uh, uh, right things. Um, by by their constituents, and you know, and that is extremely admirable and something that um, I think is uh, is to be applauded. But the problem I see it with with all democratic systems is that those people are the people that you want to be running stuff. People like you, 
you, you know, are, are those that I would want to be running stuff. But the people who are actually running stuff are the people who really want to have some power. Yep. And they're the last people you want to be in charge of anything. So I always sum it up as, it, you know, in a straight fight, someone who plays dirty is the one who's going to win. I agree. And so, uh, uh, and it reminds me of something, you know, my, my late father was a, he, he worked at, you know, senior levels within the British establishment. Mm-hmm. And he once said to me, whenever I'm having a conversation with a minister or a senior me- member of government, I always have in the back of my mind the question, why are you lying to me, you bastard? That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, so and, true. And, you know, however however much you can admire, you know, a particular figure, you know, I'm a huge fan of Barack Obama, um, less so of the current incumbent. Um, I think it's always worth having the question in the back of your mind, why are you lying to me, you bastard? You know, how did you, how did you get to that position of power? Because in a straight fight for that top chair, there's one who plays dirty is the one who's more likely to get there. So I think, but then that's part of the advantage of of democracy is that that we're able to hold these people to account to a certain extent. And so, yes, we can uh, vote for them and give them the power, but we should always retain the right to to dump them if they turn out to be too crooked. So I I wonder how you see yourself navigating that, um, a system that that is probably got quite a lot of um, challenges around people being straight and honest and... Uh, and not necessarily in the pockets of others. How do you see yourself managing that that route? Yeah, I've, I've generally not thought about how would I really navigate in such scenarios, but I feel over the years I've learned I do have, I can be that probably that smart guy or a smart person who could, you know, uh, move around and know how not to let the ego come in and not to let the, you know, not let my brain stop and think all from my heart. Mm. Because not every battle you can win. Mm. Sometimes you have to wait for the for the war and lose some battles to win that war. So I think I might be okay. Uh, sometimes I will have to give in. Sometimes I I might have to be part of it. You just can't say that you are going to be all all saint you have to get your hands dirty it's it's a dirty business at the end of the day and i see when i i always try to read the story behind what is being shown right for example how the business are going to be managed in coming days mm-hmm. uh, i like to see when government is saying that they're going to fund the businesses uh, i always think of how which which business would they really fund they would fund a business which would help economy or which would help government or which would help the big enterprises to survive there's going to be a proper calculation around it the risk is though is it not that the government bailouts which i think is what what you're referring to will go to those organizations that best fit that particular government's aims at that time rather than something that has a, a longer term benefit for everybody built into it. You know, so there's always a political dimension. There is always a party political or a personal political dimension Correct. to this, which is very short term by its very nature. Right. Where the money actually goes is often determined by 
you know, what can come back the other way for the short-term gain of the individuals that are sitting on the pot of money at the time. So exactly, it's, it's a, as you say, it's a dirty business. Yeah. So yeah, the, the fight would be to how low you can go, <laughs> how much, mm-hmm. how much dirty you are ready to be. You just can't say that I'm never going to be part of the dirty work. You just have to draw a line somewhere that consciously made decisions in terms of what could be probably beneficial on a longer term plan working on a longer term plan rather than be short-sighted and you know focusing on okay if i do this then i'm compromising on certain level compromises would have to be made for for any for any relationship to work also right you always have to compromise so it's it's all about where do you draw the line is that just a is it just pie in the sky for you is it just a is it just a daydream or is it something that you seriously want to uh, want to pursue i i seriously want to pursue i mean this is just one thing i want to pursue i want to pursue to be a part of you know an ngo probably and be part of some organization like that do that volunteer work full time not just you know give my few hours i genuinely want to do that it's a big turmoil for me right now where I want to give best education to my kid, where I want to give her everything, right? Whatever I had thought of in the in my childhood, I, I want to make sure she doesn't even have to think about it. Uh, although making it a pretty bad parenting move uh, <laughs> as per India, that's not how we should be raising our kids. <laughs> Scarcity is, is the necessity of the hour. People are not, they don't, they are not aware, kids are not aware of scarcity, right? And that's why they are the way they are, mm-hmm. uh, but but I, I come from a background where you know things were tough, so I don't want that kind of thing for her. But then at the same time, if I focus so much on one person because she's mine, uh, I can't think of others because if I really have to invest myself for for the for my hometown and for that matter, right? So I I don't just daydream; I do want to do it how practical that is going to be, what we would really end up doing is, is very distant at this point of time, at least, you know, that I've, I've seen my, my family has been involved in things like that. And I know you really can't spend time with your family, you know, middle of the night, people will call you that, Hey, we are, we are in this situation. And then you're gone for a week because you're helping somebody. And if you genuinely are trying to help people, then they would seek your help at any moment, at any point of time. And you have to be ready for that. So it's it's quite demanding. My granddad used to do this a lot. Uh, Is that right? That Yeah, my my parents, both parents were, uh, right now, they, they were very heavily involved uh-huh. in such kind of stuff. And I could see them there. They were not taking care of themselves, which I felt that, right, that's again an argument. Do you really take care of what God has given you mm-hmm. <laughs> or you really just forget about yourself and then you take care of others. Both are valid arguments. It, I just don't know which one is right or wrong. <laughs> Maybe there's a middle ground. There is, there is. But unfortunately, I've seen uh, people get really dependent on you when you do that kind of work. Uh, they, they feel very lost and then at the end of the day, for every small thing, they start coming to you. And you genuinely want to help. You can't say no if you can't say no. If you are that kind of person who can't say no, then it becomes even more challenging. That's really interesting, Rishi. I didn't know that about you. That's that's why I love doing these things. 
and that's very few people know now you know i always wanted to do a restaurant i always wanted to open a restaurant and that's another another daydream i have for a very long time i genuinely wanted to do that so mm-hmm. i wanted to always have a restaurant with the you know bar and you know band playing and mm-hmm. a proper mm-hmm. restaurant that kind of thing i always had that whole setup in my mind and what kind of menu it would be i'm big in experimenting with food so i i keep trying new stuff i keep trying mixing cuisines <laughs> sometimes it's good sometimes it's pretty awful uh, but that that's a kind of stuff i've still again that's a very different dream than the one which i was just sharing with you right so uh, i do i still i still hope someday that would be the end game uh, still see it as an end game somewhere yeah well may, maybe maybe you're destined to open a restaurant that has a uh, has a humanitarian edge to it you know one of those places where people can come in and they can order a meal they can pay for their meal but they can also pay for a meal for somebody who can't afford it as well love to do that that's i just love that concept so much in fact i know a few people back in india um they started it long back uh, where they they are in bangalore city so uh, these are these were just college kids mm-hmm. and they started uh, going to restaurants and taking all the leftover food they would gather all that food mm-hmm. and then they would give it to homeless people and that was long back that they thought of doing it about like 8 9 years back a lot of people are doing it today in many big cities but at that point i did not even think about like that anything like that and i was like there are more people who are you know too much thinking about such stuff and they are really doing something it's just a night job you spend like 4 5 hours in the night yeah but they were doing it back then also so even something like that which just one step small step mm-hmm. i love that kind of thing i like i like those um that kind of pay it forward mentality if you can Uh, if more places just offered that at the at the point of checkout you know whenever i buy a coffee or or you know get some takeout food or whatever if there was an easy way to just say you know would you like to uh put a couple of bucks up for you know for somebody who who hasn't got anything absolutely true make it easy for, easy for the for the consumer to contribute even in fact here in in london also we have uh, we have a group called swat uh it it stands for uh, sick welfare and awareness team uh they basically um mm-hmm. a bunch of sick member have uh, formed this group where they actually do exactly the same thing you know going to the restaurants grabbing the food but their whole job is to just distribute stuff to they know the nooks and corners where you would find homeless people here in london and then they would they would actually go and help them out let's imagine we were sitting in mongolian hot pot mm. that was one of our favorite places to go to especially probably i guess because we one we love the place and second we knew we were leaving so we were going there very frequently right <laughs> mongolian hot pot yeah okay what are you going to order for us in mongolian hot pot so the concept of mongolian hot pot uh, is where you get the broth and you put stuff in the broth and uh, and then you you know let it boil and when it's cooked you take it out and you eat sweet potatoes potatoes noodles i'm a big fan of noodles these days i'm very much into thai korean japanese food so mm. yes lots of noodles lots of different kinds of noodles rice noodles egg noodles i interestingly found napa cabbage was very interesting mm. i already i just knew cabbage mm. 
but Napa cabbage turned out to be a very interesting thing. Yeah, that's a nice. That's one of those part. one of the conical ones, isn't it? Where they uh, with quite crinkly leaves, they pick yeah, up. Yeah, they pick yeah. up a lot of the a lot of the cooking stock in those. Uh, yes. Convolutions, nice, nice, nice. So that was interesting one, and then I found I fell in love with bamboo shoots, baby bamboo shoots. Mm-hmm. I used to love bamboo shoots, but that when when it gets cooked in that hot pot, oh my, that's just amazing because it's again, I guess it has the same thing. It stores that you know some of some of it in it inside when you really take it out. It's you know it is hot inside and it does really has that uh, hot pot soup in it, mm. and you take take a bite, so you mm. get that. Uh, it's it's very mm. good. Uh, the one which I'm imagining right now, it's a, it's called Little Sheep Mongolian Hot Pot. It's in Edison. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I we would have we would have tofu in it for sure. Uh, I the funny story, first time when we went there, both of us don't know how to eat with chopsticks. Okay, mm-hmm. I um, <laughs> I'm gonna accept that. I I've, I've tried. Nobody has taught me still. So I've tried it. I could pick up here and there, but I'm really not uh, very good with chopsticks. Now, interestingly, when the first time we went there, we were very excited about it, and we, I, I love tomatoes, so I, I ordered tomatoes as well. And now everything came in, sweet corn, tomato, bamboo shoots, Napa cabbage was just a fluke, which mm-hmm. happened, and mm-hmm. then melon. Melon is another interesting element to add. Mm. Uh, so now they gave us chopsticks. Now, <laughs> now we are thinking, Okay, this is very interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm imagining, I'm imagining the, the 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 tomato and the chopsticks and reshi. <laughs> yeah. So, and I'm, I'm very, I'm very. Sh- think, think, think of it as like cricket. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, that's a gully cricket for us. Then <laughs> smaller bats but bigger balls. Yeah. Uh, okay, so now interesting thing. Uh, we both felt very shy in asking in a Mongolian restaurant, hey, could you give us folks, please? So uh, we didn't ask for anything, any any other cutleries. And we we sat there looking at each other for 10 minutes. Uh, I tried to make it as we are having good conversation and nobody's ready to say anything that, hey, I can't use chopsticks. So how do we eat this? We both know, back in our minds, we know that, you know, this is what we both are thinking. So finally, uh, she gave in. She said, "Okay, are we going to eat this, or is she, it's just gonna keep boiling?" I said, "Yeah, we are gonna eat this." And they they had given like tomato. Uh, it was not. It was like cut in four pieces. Uh-huh. So uh, now, how do you how do you pick that up? So there's a whole fight going on, and I'm trying to show show it off that hey, I know how to use chopsticks. Don't worry, I'll put it in your plate, and then you eat it. And I made a whole mess out of it. I tried to. <laughs> And it slipped. I don't know how it slipped. I, I, I was trying to pick it up. I couldn't pick it up. So I thought I'll just poke it. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I tried to poke it, it slipped. And it went out from that bucket into the table and then flying to the floor. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, now it's sitting in the middle of the floor. The table right next to us has seen that I've, I've done this. <laughs> so I'm already embarrassed with one set of people. I'm trying to... You know, trying to save myself so that the waiters and others, they don't see it and they don't get slipped on it. So I don't know how to not pick it up. I don't want to pick it right <laughs> going in the middle and picking up with my hand. I don't want to do that. So I, I, I extend my leg 
and I'm using my shoe and I'm trying to you know, trying to bring it is in my sitting area and then a waitress saw it and uh, she came and she just picked it up it's, it was it was like oh god you don't have to do that please don't do that i don't know she said you could have asked us we we have other cutlery as well like oh shoot okay that now you're stopping <laughs> stop it <laughs> she was very nice too they they're very nice they're extremely nice crew uh, loved them <laughs> she she said it very nicely <laughs> oh dear so we're going to mongolian barbecue we're having we're having veggies no meat we're having tofu unless uh, unless mrs rishi is there in which case we're hiding the tofu um we're <laughs> We're bringing yes. our own cutlery with us. <laughs> yeah, do we even thought of that? Next time we'll bring our. Own. <laughs> are we are we having any dessert? Are we finishing with anything sweet? Are you a, are you a uh, sweet? Yeah, I'm. Ryan? I'm a I'm a sweet. I never used to since uh, I I guess till till my marriage I was never into sweets. What I love to order is uh, mochi ice cream. That's not the first time these have been mentioned on this podcast. <laughs> No, mochi, mochi is amazing, isn't it? I love it. I'm so much in love with it. It's just mind blowing. Uh, so yes, that's definitely. In fact, we didn't order the steam rice and other things also. But yeah, mm. steam rice and uh, never order glass noodles. They they are awful. <laughs> I hate glass noodles. Yeah, what's the point? What's the point of a glass? Yeah, noodle? what's the point? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, what do you do with glass yeah. noodles? Are you are you a fan uh, of uh, of of the kind of traditional in Indian desserts as well? The traditionally Indian sweets. That, oh, love them because love I, them. I I I just think they're amazing. I mean, the gulab jamun and uh, uh, ras malai and besan ladu and jalebi and you know it's just <laughs> this is stuff that was created for me. I think. <laughs> <laughs> So, have you tried these in combination? So, as as Indians, we have a keyword. We call it jugar. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's J U G A A D. Jugar. Now, a jugar is essentially a concept where you could you could make anything. You know, whenever you have to really hack anything, mm-hmm. you know, a hustler would have like hustler would hustle. We have jugars. So we try to innovate stuff. and that is called as jugar so jugar with sweet dishes is that also exists so now the how that would happen have you ever tried gulab jamun with vanilla ice cream no but i can't see that that is not the possibly the best thing that's ever been created in the history of humanity <laughs> trust me that's just yeah. amazing and you have to have right you know a solid it's not right. even melting right now yeah. the vanilla ice cream you can imagine as hard as it could get out of the ice cream yeah cuz the gulab jamun if served correctly are pretty hot exactly so that has to be like you know, hot and cold combination yeah, yeah. Yeah. and that will blow your mind off if you're really into indian sweets and then you have similarly um jalebi and rabdi that's a classic combination uh so if we don't eat these separately right we i i i would never have gulab jamun without an ice cream if not vanilla any ice cream would do but it has to be with ice cream mm. same i would always have jalebi i could actually eat even without rabri because i'm so much in love with jalebi but jalebi with rabri rabri is nothing but uh it, you keep thickening the um, milk mm-hmm. uh, 
which has a lot of sugar in it and you keep thickening it until it becomes really thick and you mix with jalebi and you eat it you pour it on jalebi and then you eat it oh it's so good mm-hmm. so good mm-hmm. and uh, th- that's possibly one of the things that um is very characteristic of indian indian sweets is there is so many of them are milk based oh yeah we are so much into milk based stuff some years ago um i was doing some work uh with a guy who had a buffalo herd mm-hmm. so um ended up with a very large supply of of dried buffalo milk powder and he's like, you know, don't know, don't really know what to do with this. I said, I know what to do with this. I love jamun. I tell you, made oh, with full I, fat buffalo milk powder. It's wow. incredible. I, incredible. It's pretty thick. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, even makes such a great, such a great dough, and then uh, with a, ro- a nice light rose water syrup. Stop it! You're Oof. being cruel now. I can't get it's it's locked down here and mm. you are you're just you're making me imagine all this good <laughs> stuff especially in the lunch time when I'm when I'm hungry <laughs> it's not helping Paul that's not the podcast I want to be in <laughs> <laughs> All right All right we're going to Mongolian hot pot hot pot we're yes. having the vegetables we're having some steamed sticky rice we're not throwing our tomatoes on the floor and we're finishing mochi, mochi ice cream and gulab jamun, maybe. Maybe go oh, with mochi ice cream, yeah. That'll be interesting. Yeah. That'll be interesting. Well, Rishi, it's been an absolute blast. Thank you so much for taking the time. Loved it, loved it. Uh, I just, I never thought I'll be on a podcast. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. And I love the conversation. Always a pleasure to talk to you. I couldn't fit all of the conversation with Rishi into this episode. It seems a lot of it was about vegetables. You're cooking paratha, you say? Yes. Nice. Cauliflower parathas. Asafragus was never... I I never knew that was... That kind of veggie exists. What is it? What do you say? Asafragus, that's how you call it. Asparagus. 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 Yeah, yeah. Say, I don't even know how to pronounce it. There you go. <laughs> okay. Asparagus. Right, that this time I even got it right. So you can use that instead <laughs> of <laughs> Oh I I don't like that at all. So my thanks to Rishi for being somebody that I know. And my thanks to all of you for listening. See you next time when we meet somebody else that I know. Bye now.